It's an honor for us today to have our presiding bishop over the Church of God International Denomination, Dr. Tim Hill. I've known him for many years. He is a gifted leader, spiritual leader, terrific preacher. He is a musician, a singer. He's written, I don't even know how many songs, a lot of them. You've probably sung a song that he wrote. And the thing before you come to minister this morning, I want to say, in this crazy time of what's happening in our world, I appreciate you, Dr. Hill, being a leader with a backbone, with courage, with conviction of all the things and all the denominations that are really giving in and losing their way. I'm thankful that you are at the helm of this ship. We pray for you regularly. We honor you. We support you. And we're thankful for you. May God, under your leadership, as we go into a very important season this summer in our General Assembly, may God continue to give you great grace and anointing, and may the Church of God see her finest days in the future, but not in the past. How many of you agree with me? Let's welcome Dr. Tim Hill, would you? Thank you, Pastor. Let's give the Lord praise, can we? Thank you, Mother. Thank you so much. Wow, I have so been blessed and strengthened by being with you thus far this morning, the worship, the praise, everything that I have been a part of today has just encouraged me and blessed me so much. I don't have to tell you what you already know, but uh, I'm of the opinion, at least you believe you have the greatest pastor in all the world. And the truth is, he wouldn't be worth half a hallelujah without Candace, and we all know that. <laughs> you know, I have to be careful the way I say things because everybody anymore is on live stream. So if I were to get up here and say, you've got the greatest pastor in all the world, and you went crazy applauding and cheering, then I'd have to answer to the next church I went to. So I have to just sort of dance through that lightly. But seriously, you have a great, great leader here in Pastor Chuck and First Lady Candace, and I so love and appreciate them. Give them one more God bless you. Incredible. Now, I will tell you from experience, I used to pastor a church in Virginia, Danville, Virginia. We were talking about that this morning. And I can tell you from experience that a pastor's worst nightmare can take place when he invites a guest speaker. The flip side of that is true. It can be a great experience. My goal here today is to do my best to lift up the name of Jesus. I want to encourage the believers. And I also want to do my best not to preach an old God sermon. If you're wondering what an old God sermon is, that's when the pastor who invited you sits on the front row the whole time you're preaching with his head in his hand saying, oh God. And he has to get up and fix the mess I create while I'm up here. My promise to you today, pastor, is not to preach one of those kind of messages. I love what I see happening here. And let me join with all of you in congratulating the graduates here today. Isn't that incredible to see this many young people and students that are going on with the Lord and have a vision from the Lord to just do great things in life. I commend that 
and congratulate them as well. I uh, appreciate Pastor Don Munn. Good to see you, Don. You and Linda today. Look forward to fellowshipping with you a little bit later today. When I go somewhere to speak, I don't always do this, but frequently I will do my best to get as acquainted with that church as I possibly can. And that's easy to do these days because most everybody's on live stream or video or YouTube. And I try to at least spend a few minutes listening to messages that the pastor may have been preaching or watching some of the worship encounters that the church is having. And it helps me to know if I am in tune with what that church is doing. I want to do my best to speak into the vision of this house today to speak into the vision of this pastor that God has set to shepherd this house. And so I spent a little time doing that. And I want to tell you again what I'm sure you already know. God is up to something in this place called restoration. He definitely is. And when I hear from others that don't attend this church, and I hear from others that may or may not be acquainted with Pastor Chuck about what God is doing here. It piques my curiosity enough to look into that and just see for myself, at least by video, what the Lord is doing. And I want to tell you, God's hand is upon this place in a definite way. The power of the Holy Spirit has been moving here. And he is moving here from everything that I'm experiencing here this morning. He's in this place. With all of that said, with all of that in mind, I want to do my best to speak into the vision of this house today and what God, I believe, is doing. Now, I will tell you, I have a thousand and one sermons I could preach. And I could preach at least half of them by total memory. I don't need a note. I don't need a manuscript. I've been doing this a long time, and there's a lot of those sermons that I could just put right out there to you. But that's not good enough today. I want you to hear from the Lord about where you are as a family, where you are as an individual, and especially where you are as a church. And in looking at all of that and in consideration of all of that, I want to read a few passages for you today that I think, at least in my mind, pinpoint what Pastor Chuck is doing right now. And it pinpoints the role you're fulfilling right now in this city and in this community. There's a couple of places I'm going to ask you to look at with me. First of all, let's look in Matthew chapter 3. I'm going to talk a little bit today about John the Baptist. I want to talk about John the Baptist. In Matthew chapter 3, we are brought right into the heart of his ministry. We see him in action. We see how God is using him. And we pick up in Matthew 3, beginning with verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet 
Isaiah saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Pastor, that's what I see in you today. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Verse 4, and the same John had his raiment, his garments of camel's hair. Now try to picture that, camel's hair. And a leather belt about his loins. And for his meat, and picture this, he ate locusts and wild honey. Verse 5. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan. That's an interesting way that is phrased there. Then went out Jerusalem. Not a few from Jerusalem. Not a segment of people from Jerusalem, but then went out Jerusalem, the city, and all Judea. And then the Bible says here in verse 6, they were baptized of John in Jordan, confessing their sins. Just, Just keep all of that in mind. But now let's go to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 1. And let's look at the beginning of this individual that became known as John the Baptist. Verse 57. Now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy unto her, and they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. Let me just say that again. They called him. They called him Zacharias after the name of his father. Verse 60, and his mother Elizabeth answered and said, no, no. He shall be called John. Isn't it interesting that often people will try to put an old name on a new move of God? We're always trying to put new wine in old wineskins. Trying to tag a new move of God, a fresh wind of the Spirit with something we've seen before or something we've heard of before. But Elizabeth says, no, we've heard from the Lord on this one. His name shall be called John. Look at verse 61 very carefully. This is the crux of my time with you this morning. They said to her, There is none of thy kindred that is called by that name. In other words, no one in your family, no one we know, no one you know, no one in our culture, no one in our tribe has ever been called by that name before. None of thy kindred is called by that name. And they made signs to his father, Zacharias, how he would have him to be called. What do you want to name him? 
And he asked for a writing table, and he wrote these words. His name is John. And everybody marveled at what he said. None of thy kindred is called by that name. The birth, the life, the ministry of John the Baptist is remarkable in so many ways. First of all, it was prophetic, going all the way back to the book of Malachi chapter 3. The prophet had looked into the future and he saw that there would be one who would be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. One who would declare the coming of the Lord Jesus. One whose preaching would be all about making way, making room, making preparation for Jesus. He would not speak of himself. He would not build his own kingdom. He would not set up his own throne or his own rule. But every word that he spoke, everything that he did would be pointing toward one to come. He was a prophetic messenger. His life was one of prophecy. John the Baptist is also interesting because of his lineage. He was actually a blood relative of the Lord Jesus Christ. What an amazing story that part of John's history is. John the Baptist would be born to an elderly couple. It wasn't so much that they were elderly, but his mother Elizabeth was barren. She was barren in her youth, barren as life went on. She was unable to have children until God intervened in their life and gave them this child, this son, who would be called John. It's always been interesting to me how that when God gets ready to move, he will often resurrect the barrenness of something. I feel like preaching now. He often sends revival to the world after some vessel that he intends to use has gone through a long season of emptiness or barrenness or fruitlessness. And that's the case with Elizabeth. Elizabeth comes to the conclusion one day that she is expecting a child. And what's so interesting about the early part of her expectancy is that she is visited by a young cousin of hers whose name was Mary, who happened to be the mother of Jesus. The Bible tells us that when Mary accepted the will of God in her life, that she would bear this Savior, Emmanuel, God with us, that she went up into the hill country to visit her cousin Elizabeth, Mary has just found out that she's pregnant. She goes into the hill country to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who at this point in time is six months pregnant. And when she walks into the door of Elizabeth's house and just says hello, the scripture tells us that the baby, John, the baby within Elizabeth's womb, leaped within her. Oh, how significant that is. That the very embryonic presence of Jesus Christ 
the Lord, the Savior, would carry so much power, so much impact, that when that embryonic power, that embryonic presence is brought into the home of Elizabeth, that six-month-old child within the womb of its mother leaps and the Bible says was filled with the Holy Ghost from that moment. Wow. That's significant because the scripture bears out that Elizabeth was in her sixth month. Nothing else indicates that she had felt movement before then. Which could have been cause for concern. Nothing in scripture indicates that at any time before this event happens that she felt any indication that she's carrying life at all. But when the purpose and the reason and the significance for Elizabeth's baby understands that Jesus is in the house, Jesus is near, that child leaps in that darkened world of its mother's womb. You see, here's the point. If there's no Jesus, there's no reason for John the Baptist. If we don't have Jesus, we don't need John the Baptist. Because John is the forerunner and John is going to proclaim, prepare ye the way of the Lord. But when reason shows up, when purpose shows up, when significance shows up, something begins to move within the womb of that mother that says, I have a reason to live. I have a reason to breathe. I have a reason to exist. My Lord, I'm about to jump this stage and run these aisles. Can I tell you the reason you're leaping today? The reason you feel life in here today, significance and purpose in here today, is because Jesus has shown up in this place by the power of his Holy Spirit. Hey, just endure me. I'll be gone after today and he'll be back next Sunday. He'll fix all this. And John is born. Three months later, John is born. Mary stayed there three more months up until the time for John to be born. And when John is born, you know how people do. Everybody wants to come to see the new baby. We love those baby pictures up here today, didn't we? All those young people that have grown to be champions for Christ I noticed when their baby pictures come up, everybody was ooing and eyeing, and you like that. Well, humanity's always been that way. We love to see new children born. We love to see new babies come into the world. And so when John was born, everybody showed up from the community, the cousins, the extended family, the near relatives. They want to see whose eyes did he get. Did he get his mama's nose? Do you get that dimple that his daddy's got in his chin? Who does he look like? And they're all standing around ooing and eyeing, and they're just so impressed by this new life that's come to this earth. And in the midst of all that they're saying, somebody from the back of the crowd speaks up and says, Hey, what you going to name him? What will be his name? And they had already heard from the Lord. The angel of the Lord had already told them, When this baby is born, you call him John that's going to be his name. And by this time, Zacharias can't speak. He's stricken dumb. He can't speak at all as a sign from God. So Elizabeth steps up and she says, his name will be John. 
And she was met with immediate resistance and pushback. Because everybody in that crowd, if they're not family, they're acquainted with the family and they understand the lineage of the family and they understand the history of the family and they know it's not supposed to go this way. Well, you're supposed to name him Zacharias after his father. You're supposed to name him Zacharias II or Zacharias Jr. because he's going to fit in the genealogy and he's going to fit in the priesthood and he's going to follow in the steps of his father. They didn't understand what God had already told them. They were just speaking out of a, an imposition. They're speaking out of a supposedness. They're speaking out of something that they understand based upon everything they've ever seen. And they say, you can't call him by that name. His name will be Zacharias like his father. The resistance, the pushback by wanting to put an old name on a fresh move and a new move of God. You've never felt that, have you? Maybe you've not heard it in those terms. But every now and then someone will come along when you begin to sing a new song unto the Lord and they will say, our tribe doesn't sing it that way. I'm preaching better than any of you are shouting this morning. <laughs> every now and then when pastor gets up with a heavy burden and he begins to speak prophetically and he begins to speak into the future of generations and he begins to speak into the future of the church and he begins to speak into the future of your family. Somebody might speak up and say, we've never heard it that way before. None of thy kindred in the church of God is called by that name. Dear God, have I ever heard that one? I've preached before and I've had people say, we don't preach it like that. I've carried out conferences before where there was a divine dynamic move of God and I've had people meet me backstage and say, we, we, we're not accustomed to that. And they're always trying to squeeze you into a mold and put you into a box and make you fit into culture as we know it. Don't get me on that main floor. If I get down on that main floor, I'm good for a solid hour. Oh, I heard it way back there. Somebody said, keep him on the stage, Jesus. Keep him on the stage. <laughs> no, society has a culture that they're always trying to squeeze us into, especially right now. Families have cultures that we're always trying to squeeze people. Churches have cultures that we're always trying to squeeze people into. But occasionally, God will show up through someone like John the Baptist and say, I'm going to upset the apple cart, and, and I'm going to do something that your church culture hasn't seen, and society surely hasn't seen, and your family hasn't seen, and you can't put an old name on a new move of God in this day and time. My Lord, I feel like preaching here. He said, Behold, I do a new thing, shall ye not know it? I will put waters in the wilderness. I will put springs on the mountains so that my people will offer up praise unto Almighty God. You can't put new wine in old wineskins. None of thy kindred is called by this name, will hear the world say. But let's break this down, and then I'm through. They couldn't call John anything but John. Four key words. And when I looked at your videos, Pastor, I, these words came into my spirit. I promise you, this is not a sermon I preach every Sunday. This, this, is not one of my, this is not one of my candy sticks here. I don't preach this one everywhere I go. But when I think about this pastor, when I think about this church, and when I think about this story, 
Here's some things that come to my mind. They couldn't call John Zacharias because his appearance was different. His daddy would wear the stately robes of the priesthood. And he would go into the temple and he would light the candles of incense. And the Bible said that he followed the order of the priesthood. You can read it there in Matthew 3. His father, Zacharias, did what priests before him did and what priests after him would do until the priesthood of the believer came along. And, and they just followed the pattern and they did what they were told. And, and every T was crossed and every I was dotted and you don't upset anything. Be like your daddy. But his appearance was different. The Bible said that when John came along, he was dressed in a coat of camel's hair and a leather belt. The King James Version said a leather girdle. He was dressed in the attire of a man that was prepared for rugged adventure. He's not dressed in those stately robes that would take him to the temples to light candles of incense. He's dressed in garments that speak of his mission. He's dressed in garments that speak of his location. He was a man of the wilderness. He was a man built for difficult times. He was dressed that way. Oh, let me talk to you about the appearance of the last day church today. The last day church looks different than any other church that's ever been known in the history of man. Why? Because there is a glory appearance upon this church. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house now. There is a glory appearance upon the church of the last days. Great God in heaven. His appearance was different. I see the glory of God shining upon the countenance of this congregation today, Pastor. But not only was his appearance different, his appetite was different. He was hungry for things that were not typically on the table of the family. When his family would sit down, they were accustomed to Roast lamb, bitter herbs, and unleavened bread. When Zacharias and Elizabeth would sit down, or when the Jews would sit down, they had, they had a diet that was kosher, a diet that was somewhat dignified, a diet that spoke of their culture, a diet that spoke of their heritage. But when you read about John the Baptist and his appetite, here's what he's eating, locusts. Yum, yum. And wild honey. Who in their right mind leaves a church service and says, I'll meet you for lunch, and today we're having locust and wild honey. The honey's all right if you got a biscuit nearby to dip into it. Hang on to you, locust. I'm not there. But his appetite spoke of who he was in God. That appetite of locusts and honey spoke of a, a divine infusion of power for the occasion. The locusts spoke of the protein that he would need to stand in those difficult places and point his finger in the faces of sinful leaders 
and declare the word of the Lord and lay the axe to the root of the tree. That locust and honey, the honey spoke of a divine infusion of the glucose, the power, the sweetness of the Holy Spirit that balanced all of that out. And John would be able to stand into the faces of wicked leadership like Herod who was sleeping with his brother's wife and say you're living in adultery. He would lay the axe to the root of the tree. Oh, he'd lose his head over it later, but he was willing to stand up and preach truth when truth wasn't popular. Lean up and shake somebody and say, I'm glad he won't be here next Sunday. Is this what you wanted, Pastor? I had one speaker preach for me one time in the early service. I sent him home in between services. Can I tell you our appetite is different? I'm hungry today but I'm not hungry for what this world has to offer. Oh, we know what's in this world. We know what the world will set on the table. The Bible tells us about that in 1 John. The Bible talks about the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life. That's what this world is hungry for. But I'm looking at a congregation of people today that hunger and thirst after righteousness. And the Bible said, they that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Is anybody hungry in this house today? Clap your hands unto the Lord. That's why people are being filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost around here. That's why people are being healed around here. That's why when you come into here, you can't find a place to park around this place because somebody has an appetite for the things of God. The things of this world don't satisfy. They never did satisfy. But the hunger that I feel today can only be satisfied by the power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody praise him again. Somebody text your friends that are coming to the second service and tell them don't sit on the first three rows. I spit all over the first three rows. You do too? I bet you don't project as far as I do though, do you? Boy, I get under the anointing, I can hit 10 rows deep, I'm telling you. We can't call him Zacharias. Because his appearance is different. His appetite is different. Ah, but his attitude is different. His daddy, according to the scriptures, a wonderful man, called of God, working in ministry. But his attitude led him to the temple to do what he was raised to do according to his heritage and his family and faith. And he spoke according to what his attitude dictated. He led according to what his attitude dictated. But John's attitude was different. Where his dad said, I'll go to the temple, John said, I prefer the wilderness. Take me to the streets. Let me preach to the hurting. Let me preach to the outcast. Let me preach to the hopeless. I want to go, as Jesus would say of himself later, with a sick need of physician. That was John's attitude. 
And as I watched your videos for the last few days, getting ready to come in here, I saw an attitude about this. Look at somebody and tell them, you've got an attitude. Pastor, come here. Just pat me. Just pat me on that shoulder. I need a little affirmation right there. Thank you very much. That's all I need. Just need a little affirmation. There's an attitude about this place. Oh, I go to all kinds of churches that have attitude, but not the right attitude. I go to some churches, they look like they've been sprayed with a can of holy. Stuck up. I go to some churches that outcasts are not welcome. Believe it or not, sinners are not welcome. They have created for themselves a showcase of perfection, they think. Oh, don't push me too hard because I'm... I got a spirit on me right now that says I'm not scared of too much. You live through what I've lived through the last two years, you'll get that spirit on you. I go to some places where ethnicities are not welcome. The races are not welcome. But I've watched your live stream, I've watched your videos, you've got an attitude that says, whosoever will may come and drink. They couldn't call him Zacharias. Different. His appetite was different. His appearance was different. Oh, but here's the big one. His assignment was different. He was not assigned to those stately places. He was not assigned to the palaces of Jerusalem. His assignment would be that wilderness. His assignment would be laying the axe to the root of the tree, preaching conviction, preaching truth to power, standing in the face of leadership, calling it what it is. But his biggest assignment was this. As the forerunner of Jesus Christ, he would stand in that Jordan River Point his sunburned arm with his finger pointing in the direction of Nazareth. And he would cry, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight, crooked paths. Make level the high places and raise up the low places. That was his assignment. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. And he was standing there one day. And the one he had been preaching about. The one he had been prophesying about. Made his way down to the murky waters of the Jordan River. And Jesus, the cousin of John, said, baptize me. John said, I'm not worthy to bear your shoes and carry them around. 
But Jesus said, let it be so, so that the word of God may be fulfilled. My Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost here. And John took Jesus under the water and brought him up. And when he did, the spirit as a dove settled down upon him. And the voice of God was heard to say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And John's assignment was fulfilled. I could spend the rest of my time talking about our appearance, our attitude, and our appetite, but I want to tell you our assignment today is to proclaim life through Jesus Christ. Our assignment is to tell a drug addict you can be free. Our assignment is to tell a lonely teenager you can have companionship through Jesus Christ. Our assignment is to tell a prostitute you can be clean. Our assignment is to kick wide the doors of this and any other church and say, whomsoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. None of thy kindred is called by this name, so what? You better stand while you got half a chance. I got preach on me today. If I never get it again, I got it today. None of thy kindred. You're doing something different than other churches are doing. You're speaking it differently. You're singing it differently. You're exemplifying it differently. Pastor, I want to tell you as the current leader of this denomination, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Preach what God gives you. Love who God sends you. Love who God sends you. Because God has called you. His thumbprint of uniqueness is upon you. And that's all that matters. Raise your hands and receive the Father in the name of Jesus. I have been so welcomed and at home by the wonderful presence of the Lord here today. I feel like that I have walked into a place that I have been a part of all of my life and I've never met hardly any of these people. But I feel a kinship here. I feel a brotherhood, a koinonia. Father, I want to speak a word of affirmation. I want to speak a word of affirmation to this congregation that they continue to be who they are in Christ and be who God has called them to be with a different assignment to finish the Great Commission. Come on, church, raise your hands. God is doing something here. I've got to sit down, but raise your hands and receive what the Lord is doing. Father, I sense a spirit of prophecy on me here. I sense a prophetic anointing upon my life right now. I pray in the name of Jesus that you raise up missionaries 
out of this congregation that will go into the far reaches of this world. I pray in the name of Jesus that many of these students that stood here just a few moments ago will become church planters and evangelists and teachers in the mainstream of society that will teach from a foundation of Christianity and a foundation of Holy Spirit baptism. Father, I pray for husbands and wives here today that their marriages would be healed. I pray for sons and daughters today that they would rise up in the power of the Holy Oh, come on, church. I'm telling you the Holy Ghost is in this house. Just give the Lord a wave offering of praise, somebody. Just wave your hand. Receive this. Receive this. Receive this. I'm going to be mindful of the time. I know you have to transition to another service, but would you just raise your right hand and say, Lord, I lift up this hand as a vessel of honor. Fill it with your oil. Fill it with the oil of your Holy Spirit. And whoever I place this hand upon now in this moment, may they be filled with the power of the sweet Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. Now just reach over and touch somebody's shoulder with that hand. Just touch somebody in the name of Jesus and receive the blessing of the Lord. Receive the blessing of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, Pastor Chuck. I've got to step, step, step down here. The presence of the Lord is in this house. The presence of the Lord is in this house. Hallelujah. May we do just that. May we fulfill this, the assignment that is upon us in this hour. Thank you so much, Dr. Hill. That the story of, yes, amen. Thank you so much. He's been all over Europe, all over the world in the last few days, the last few weeks. And again, I just thank you for your leadership and um, just bringing a fresh word. Because I know traveling, you, you can forget where you are and lose your bearings. But I appreciate you doing your homework and saying something to us. There is a, his name will be called John assignment on this place and we take it seriously and we're going to declare the truth of the word with tears in our eyes and hearts to reach lost people in our community amen come on so father we commit to being a church that we will be faithful yep we look different we got a different attitude we thank you that we wear different stuff and we thank you, Father God, for the assignment that has been made clear in this place. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, our hearts are full. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. Lift his countenance up on you and give you his peace. Come on, everybody, say it. I receive it. In Jesus' name. God bless you all. Have a great afternoon. I love you.